So today we are going to be looking, in a moment, we're going to be looking in the first chapter of the book of Acts. If you want to follow along in your Bible, we'll eventually get there. There's some black hardcover Bibles in the pews that you're sitting in. That'll be the same translation that I'm reading from today. Um, but we, we had a great Easter weekend last Sunday. If those of you who are with us, we had a great time celebrating Easter. And we talked about uh, this thing. We actually preached on the, the passage of Scripture in Ephesians that we were trying to memorize. That because of the resurrection, we have great life in Christ. We have a confident hope in Christ because he has risen. There is a confident hope there. And, and the great passage of Scripture that says there is power available to those who are in Christ. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. And then my favorite part of that passage, what we talked about last week, is that God, because Jesus rose from the dead, God has placed all things under the authority of Christ. So your life, your family, your work, your marriage, any trials or battles you go through, they all are under the authority of Christ. We walk under the authority of Christ. And that was our message for Easter last Sunday. And if you were with us, we, were, we loved having you here. But the story continues. Now, I think in the church world, in the church calendar year, we kind of, you know, we celebrate Christmas, and then we do all the things, and then we celebrate Easter and the resurrection. And in our minds, we kind of think like the story, if this was a movie, that the movie would end there, Jesus kind of sitting on top of the tomb, victorious, the disciples cheering, maybe the jump cheer where they freeze it at the end, like, yes, and the fading, and then like, yes, the end of the story, we win, kind of thing. But that's not how the story ends. The story continues. The story continues, right? And so I wanted to talk about a little bit of the continuation of that Easter story today. And uh, the first passage of Scripture, before we get into the book of Acts, I'm just going to read a couple verses from Matthew chapter 28. And if you've been around church, you will know this as the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16, and the words will be up on the screen. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. There was 11 because Judas was the one who betrayed, and he was one of the 12, and he had an untimely end as he felt guilt. So now they're down to 11. There were 11 disciples. They went to Galilee, and this is after Jesus had risen, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So just stop right there for a second. The disciples go, and different translations would say that there might have been other, or commentaries say there might have been some other people there as well. So some of them are seeing Jesus, who has resurrected for the first time. And if you're seeing a guy who you watched die, a couple, this would have been a few weeks, a couple weeks after the, the crucifixion. If you watched Jesus die, and now you're seeing him alive, no wonder. There's going to be a few people who are like, um, I'm not sure, like this is weird, am I being punked right now, or am I on camera, is someone playing a joke on me? But then there were other disciples who had seen Jesus a couple of times leading up to that. So obviously there are some that are worshiping. Like, yes, Jesus, you are victorious, and others who doubted. Continue on, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It sounds like those words in Ephesians that we talked about last week. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is Jesus commissioning his disciples, his followers. This is the great commission. This is Jesus saying the story is going to continue. It's not ending here. And now the story is going to be in your hands as my followers. Now it is up to you to go into all the world and make disciples, telling them about the resurrected Jesus. 
Jesus is telling his followers, it's your turn now. It's your turn now. So the other account of the story in the first chapter of Acts, if you have, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. I thought I had it bookmarked here. All right, Acts chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse 3. Wait, is that right? No, sorry. Okay, no, let's start in verse 3. Let's start in verse 3. Thank you, Christy, for your help. Where would I be without Christy? And those of you who know how the inner workings of this church work, say amen for sure. (laughs) Acts 1 verse 3, I was right. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, talking about John the Baptist, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore your kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up to the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. That's a great, I mean, we think of these stories in the Bible as kind of mystical, maybe fairy tales. But, you know, we, we believe that this actually happened. A day where the disciples were hearing Jesus teach, hearing Jesus preach. Now, they were still thinking the old way of thinking in that they thought Jesus was going to be a conquering hero. Now that he had risen from the dead, they're asking, now you're going to do it, right? Now you're going to restore our influence, our national identity, our political power. We're going to throw off the regime of the regime of the Roman Empire, and now we have a king, and he is going to conquer all the nations, and it's going to be like, yes, victory time. And Jesus says, that's not how we're going to do it. Instead, The authority that I have is going to be on you, and the Spirit of God is going to come on you. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you, and you are going to be the ones that are going to go into all the world and make disciples, and you are going to be the ones to take this Jesus movement further. And then all of a sudden, Jesus gets, he ascends to heaven. So if you're a disciple, no wonder you're standing there like staring up in the sky like, this is not how I thought this day was going to go, right? This is not how I thought this was going to happen. And I love the, the imagery of them just staring in the sky, not one of them wanting to go first like, uh, what are we supposed to do now? Maybe you've been in a situation where you were with a group of people and somebody important was giving instructions and you thought, I don't really need to pay attention to this. And all of a sudden they left and you realized, oh, I think they probably said something important. I should have been listening. Maybe the disciples were feeling that way. And these angels appear and they say, why are you staring up into heaven? You know what you're supposed to do. Jesus has told you what you're supposed to do. It's your turn now. Why are you staring up into the sky? Go. Go. It is your turn now. And so a few days later, if you read in the second chapter of Acts, these disciples, these followers, still a pretty small group of people, 
were waiting and they were praying, and there's a great story of when the Holy Spirit comes on them. The earth, like the room started shaking. There was this sound of like this violent wind, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the Spirit of God, fills the disciples. Up until that point, it was a temple system, right? The presence of God was in the temple. You went to an actual room in the temple where the presence of God was. So this now is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God coming and dwelling in his people. And they began to speak in other tongues and in other languages. And the story goes on where people who could hear what was going on in that room, they were like, those are those Jesus followers. And it goes on to say, all the people who were listening thought, oh, they're just drunk, <laughs> right? I mean, it actually says that in the Bible. They've just been drinking a little too much. And so Peter hears this. And Peter, the disciple, who just a couple of weeks before had been denying that he even knew who Jesus was, but now Peter has been commissioned by Jesus. Now Peter has been filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gets up and he begins to preach. And he begins to preach to all the onlookers, saying, this is not, I love his words, it's like, we're not, we haven't been drinking it's only 11 in the morning. You know, we have, <laughs> like, that's his logic. And he says, but he goes on to say, no, we are here because Jesus, who you crucified, has been raised, and he is Messiah, and he is king, and he is Lord, and he preaches what would be considered the first sermon of the church. And it says that 3,000 people joined the church that day, and the church of Jesus Christ was launched that day. What a great story. This is so significant to us. Because instead of Jesus continuing his ministry as conquering hero, as I've already mentioned, he left it to his followers. And those followers preached. And you read it throughout the book of Acts, stories of this church going and spreading, and new disciples being made, and the Holy Spirit coming, and God's presence filling other people. And it multiplies, and it multiplies, and it multiplies. This is God's plan for his world that his presence would dwell in his people and they would go into the world. And it continues to spread today. It continues as we are gathered here as followers of Jesus. We have also been commissioned to go into all the world. This is where the Easter story leads. It goes from the cross to the grave and then he rises from the dead and ascends into heaven and he commissions us to go. This is how the story continues. We go into the world and we make disciples. We are the carriers of God's presence. Amen? We are the carriers of God's presence. We don't come into this room to experience God's presence. It's not dwelling in this room. It's in us. When you are in Christ, you have the presence of God dwelling in you. So this plan of Jesus to not go around the world as victorious resurrected king, but instead leave it up to his people, his disciples, you can question why he thought that was a good idea right? You can question that. Like, that's probably not the best idea. These disciples, they hardly have their act together. Are you sure you want to leave the fate of your church and the future of your church in these people? And we could say the same thing about us. Are you sure you want to leave it up to us, right? I, I don't really have my act together. You can question whether or not that was the best idea, but you can't question that it was Jesus' idea. This was his plan for us to continue this movement, this continue this church, to go into the world, to be carriers of God's presence in the world. This is the plan. This is the plan. And so the message today is a reminder for us as Jesus' church. We are to go. The story has not ended. We are commissioned to go into the world. So my prayer for each of us today 
wherever you are in your faith journey, and maybe you wandered in here today for the first time, maybe this is, you know, you don't even have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've been a Christian your whole life, but you just go to church, wherever you are in your faith journey, my prayer is that we'd all just have open hands and hearts and say, Lord, we want to take that next step. We want to go. Fill us with your presence, and we want to go. We want to make a difference in our world. Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. Use me however you like. And so maybe today for you, it is saying yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, receiving his love and salvation, receiving that mercy and forgiveness. Maybe today it's just opening up your heart and say, God, I just don't want to be a a church attender. I want to be filled with your presence. I want to be filled and baptized with your Holy Spirit so that I could have boldness and power and purpose to my life. I could have the presence of God filling me up wherever I go that people would know. They would sense your presence because it's dwelling in me. And maybe it's today you feel God is calling you to do something, a step of faith, a ministry. You're feeling called into some sort of ministry where you're like, I feel like maybe I'm supposed to step out and do this, make a a change of career in my life or maybe something like that. And my prayer is that we'd all be open to that because God is going to use us as we are available. And God wants to use us to continue that great commission. Amen? God wants to use us to continue to spread the light of Jesus, to go into all the world. That's the mission that we are on. And we might be students in school, we might be going to work at the factory or at the plant or at the school or at the wherever we work, but yet we're doing those things, but yet we are on mission for God. We are on mission to take his life into the world. So I wanted to look at just a couple of practical thoughts on this today. What does that mean for us? We're a group of Minnesotans on a Sunday morning sitting in this room. What does that mean for us? What does the Great Commission look like for us? So I just have a couple of practical thoughts on this as we wrap up today. And the first one is this. The first is this. Everyone is called. Everyone is called. Everyone. This is not just for the pastors and the missionaries. Not just for those who you think are super spiritual because we're not. Not just for the pastors and missionaries. Everyone is called. You are called. You are commissioned. When Jesus spoke to his followers that day on the hills in Galilee, He was speaking to his future followers as well, and that's you and me. Go into all the world. You are called. You are commissioned. Now, you might be nervous, thinking, great, now I have to quit my job and move to Africa, you know, and do this stuff. Not everyone is called to quit their jobs and to hop on a plane to a faraway country. Not everyone needs to turn in their resignation this week and say, well, I got to follow God. I got to do the Great Commission. Although for some, it will, right? For some, it will. We've got some people here today who followed that call. Dennis Otto is here, and he had a career. He had a job, and a while back, how many, when did you feel this call to do something? Last year. He felt God's call to fulfill this Great Commission in a different way. Dennis has a history and a past involving addiction and drugs and crime and imprisonment. And God has brought him out of that and has put a call on his life to go and to help other men who are in that same lifestyle that he was in. So he goes to court with these guys. He helps talk to them. Yeah, can we give him a hand? So he mentors these guys who are trapped in a life of drug addiction, crime. He goes into prisons and meets with them, talks to them. If they have court dates... He goes with them. He gives them rides. He talks to the people on their behalf, the judges and the lawyers, and he, he works with them 
one-on-one. He is doing his part where he sensed God saying, here's how I want you, Dennis, to fulfill this great commission, right? His ministry is called All In Ministries, and first of all, he's un- how, how uniquely equipped is he to deal with that? If I go in and talk to drug addicts in prison, they're going to look at me like, I could snap you like a twig, dude. You're Canadian, and you're pl- you grew up playing hockey. That doesn't make you tough. But Dennis, how uniquely equipped is he? Because he has that part of his story. He has instant credibility with these guys, right? And second of all, and I love sharing Dennis's story because how could we ever say that God can't redeem a past, right? Amen? How could we ever say that God can't redeem a past? So this is what Dennis is doing. But what about the rest of us? What about you? You're probably like me. I don't want to go into prisons. I don't want to talk to them. Well, what's the world that you have? What's the, where are you? What do you have in your hand? What has God put on your heart? Is there something in your community, in your world, that you look at and you say, ah, oh, man, that bugs me that this is happening? Is there something that God's put on your heart? Maybe it's just looking around our community at poverty or addiction or around the world at the millions of people that don't have access to clean water. Or education, maybe that's in your heart. Or human trafficking. I was reading some stories this week. There are so many stories of people that God put something in their heart. And they said, boy, I wish somebody would do something about this. And they said, well, why not me? Why not me? I can do that. I'm called as well. Richard Proudfit in 1982, was a Minnesotan guy, went on a trip to Honduras. And he was overwhelmed by the poverty and the famine, and all the hungry kids that were in Honduras. And he said, boy, it would be great if we could figure out a way to feed some of these kids. And he came back, Richard came back, and he partnered with some scientists at Cargill and General Mills and Pillsbury Food Distributors, and they worked, and they worked, and they worked, and they found out this formula for, and if you've ever gone to Feed My Starving Children, you know the four ingredients, right? What are the four ingredients if you go pack meals at Feed My Starving Children? Anyone know? Rice, soy, protein, and vegetables. That's it. You're probably thinking, Jeff didn't even know it. That's why he was asking all the people. No, I remembered it. If you've been there, it's like you have one person doing the rice, and then the soy, and then the vegetables, and then the protein, and you put it all in there, and you pack it in a meal, and we pack millions of these meals that go around the world. This is Feed My Starving Children. This is the organization that Richard Proudfit began in the 80s, and now millions and millions of children are getting at least one healthy, nutritious meal a day because one guy said... This is on my heart. I wish somebody would do something about this. Gary Haugen is a lawyer, and he started an organization that is around the world called International Justice Mission, IJM. And what he found years and years and years ago was he would hear stories. He's a lawyer, and he would hear of stories in other countries where there would be crimes committed. There would be rapes committed against women, but there was no recourse for these women. Nobody was prosecuting the criminals. There was no threat of consequence for anyone committing these crimes. So he recognized not only is the problem in that this is happening to these women and children, but the problem is bigger than that in that this country, there's no legal recourse at all. So he said, well, I'm a lawyer, I could start working with other lawyers, and now International Justice Mission is lawyers all over the world that are working within the justice system of these other countries to make it so that these crimes are prosecuted, to make it so that these criminals would think, oh, now there actually will be consequences, and to change the whole culture of that society. This is International Justice Mission because God puts something on his heart. God's going to use your passions 
God's going to use what breaks your heart. God is going to use something that maybe it's your, your past or a pain that you've experienced where God's going to say, I want to redeem that, and I want you to do something about that. I love these stories. I love these stories. I think we have too many Christians in the world like those disciples on the day that Jesus, when Jesus ascended to heaven. We have too many Christians saying, well, this is wrong in this world. There's all this hurt, there's all this pain, there's starving kids, there's all this tragedy going on, and they're looking up to heaven, and they're saying, God, are you going to do something about this? Why aren't you doing something about this? You should do something about this. And God is saying, I agree. I would love to do something about this, so you go do something about this. You're the carriers of God's presence now. You go. We have too many Christians who are just saying, God, you do something instead of saying, how can I help? How can I fulfill this great commission? So that was the first point. Everyone is called. Second one is this. Everyone is qualified. Everyone is qualified. We disqualify ourselves way too easily from being involved in what God wants to do in us and through us. You might be saying, what can I do? You might be saying, I'm just trying to get my life together. How in the world is God going to use me? You might be saying, I have too, too dark of a past for God to ever use me. Well, I want Dennis to be an example for you today. No, God's going to redeem that. Everyone is qualified. Don't disqualify yourself. You might be saying, I'm, I just stay at home with my kids all day. I'm a, I'm a young mom of stay at, when I stay at home with kids. Or you might be saying, I'm retired and empty nester. I'm just, a, I'm just an elementary student. I'm just a teenager. I'm just one of these things. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. Remember what Jesus told his disciples on that day before he ascended to heaven. All authority is given to me. And I'm going to be with you every step. I'm going to be with you. So we do not walk in our own authority. We do not walk in our strength. Dennis is not meeting with these drug addicts in his own strength and his authority. But it is in the authority of Christ who says, I'm calling Dennis to go. You will walk and you will step into what God has for you, not in your own authority, but in the authority of Christ, not in your own power, but in the power that Christ gives us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You are his representative. You are going on his behalf, so you walk in his authority. And the world is filled with amazing stories of what God has done with just simple people who said, I don't have any strength on my own, but I'm going to step out in faith and trust that you, God, are going to have your power and your spirit and your anointing working through me. And God has used that to change the world. Even in little things. We were out as, uh, as the youth group of Homestead Community Church, and I'm the old guy there. They're probably looking at me like, why are you here? But we, they're, they're raising money for 30 for Freedom. They're doing a run in a few weeks. 30 for Freedom to raise money to help combat sex trafficking around the world. When's the race? When's May 26th. So we have a group of teenagers that they go over there to the Maxwell's house a couple times a week and they run and they train because they're training for this race and they're raising money. So if you want to help out, you can help fund some of their 30 for Freedom accounts. And I went yesterday because I was like, I can run. And there was a group that were doing the one and a half mile run and I'm like, I got that. And then there was a couple of them that said, oh, we're running seven miles today. You should come. And I'm like, oh, as I said, sure, how hard can it be? And about three miles in, I said, how far are we? And they said, three miles. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm about to die. And we were a ways away from their house. And just then, Emma Merrick said these words that, are, that haunted me. She said, the track we're going isn't going to make seven miles. So what we need to do is we need to go around the fairgrounds and make it longer. And I just said, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> 
I said, I'm three miles in, and I'm still at least a mile away from the Maxwell House, so I'm going to just make as straight of the line as possible and make it back there. So. But that's what they're doing. In Minnesota, in the Assemblies of God churches in Minnesota, we have a thing called Speed the Light where we fund missionaries around the world. Some of these kids are saying, well, I'm in school, so I can't go around the world. But they're saying, but I can raise money. And these are teenagers. And if you know teenagers, they don't have a ton of cash laying around. But in Minnesota, teenagers, in youth groups in this state, over $1.4 million was raised last year to help the Great Commission go forth so that missionaries that we support all over the world can have equipment that's needed. If a vehicle breaks down, they have the money to repair it or replace it because these teenagers raised money to fulfill the Great Commission. Everyone is qualified. Everyone is called. We all can do a part. This is how the story continues with us. The third point in this is start. Just start. Start. Where are you right now? Where are you in your season of life? Your workplace, your school, your family, your relationships, the things you're involved in. Where are you right now? Maybe you, maybe you think, I go to work and I spend my evenings sitting at the side of a field, a freezing cold field, watching my kids play whatever sport it is now, and that's my life. Well, you're there, and you're there for a reason. And it's not to be riveted by 10-year-old lacrosse. It's because God has placed you there. God has placed you there because that's the part where the Great Commission is going to go forward. Where are you right now? You're not there because God has forgotten to put you where he wants you. You're not there because God has forgotten all about you. You're there because God looks and says, okay, at that workplace there, at that company there, we got hurting people all over there. Who have we got? I just imagine these conversations up in heaven. Who have we got that works there? Oh, we've got this person. We've got these people. They're followers of Jesus. They're carriers of God's presence. We're going to use them so the Great Commission will go forward in that place and in that school and in that company and on that soccer field and in this community and in this neighborhood. You are there because God has you there. So start. Start. Use what you have. Use your abilities. Use your voice. Speak up. Be a word of encouragement. We have some people in our church, um, the Hawks family, you know them. Sarah Parkman, they're doing foster care. And so sometimes in Sarah's house, there will be a foster child that will come in for a couple of days over a weekend. The Hawks family, they have some foster kids that they're going to have for about a year. What an amazing ministry, right? This is like the Great Commission coming to them. I love it. It's, it's great. This is the Great Commission coming into their house. I love seeing the kids that our foster parents have when they come to church because I'm like, I don't know. I, I can imagine their past is rough, these kids, and I don't know where God's going to take them into the future. But for now, they are experiencing the love of Christ because of Homestead Church and because of the ministry of these families that are willing to say, God, just use me. And we we're suburbanites in Minnesota, but you can use us to touch people with the light of Jesus Christ, right? What can you do now? Use what you have. Take a step. Take that next step. For me, just personally, the times where I've sensed God leading me into new ministries, new callings, and there's been times where it was, quit your job, I have a new thing for you. All those times, it was just a matter of, okay, well, I'm going to take this next step. 
And now which way do we go? And as I took steps, God was more faithful to unveil the next direction and to unveil more of his plan. We have a problem as people. We want to know the whole plan right away, don't we? If you say, God, I want you to use me, and God says, oh, I'm going to use you in great ways, and we're going to do this. Okay, you say, well, God, give me the whole plan because this direction you're taking me is way slower, and I could get there quicker if I just go over here. So just give me the whole plan, and I will take it from here, God, right? We tend to do that. But God is saying, no, take this step, because here, in this step, is where I'm going to give you direction that's going to take you a different direction that you never even thought of. And here is where I'm going to teach you this lesson that you wouldn't learn anywhere else. And here is where you're going to receive this blessing that is going to blow your mind, and you would have never experienced that elsewhere. Take a step. Start. Make that first step. Commit yourself to God and say, I'm going to just, I feel like you're calling me to do this, so I'm going to start and I'm going to step here and I'm going to trust that you're going to open the doors and reveal the next step as we go. God wants us to build trust in him. God wants us to be obedient with every step. Steps in between, steps where we think, God, you've obviously forgotten about me. God's going to say, no, I have you right where you're supposed to be. Just be a light. Be a carrier of God's presence. Fulfill the Great Commission. So start take a step. For some of you, you are in business, and you go to a big office tower, you make a lot of money, and that's your business, and you think, well, how, God, how are you going to do that? Maybe your part in the Great Commission is to make a ton of money. Amen? Some of you are saying amen. So that you can fund the Great Commission. Some of you are called to do that. You don't think Dennis here with All In Ministries would take somebody saying, hey, I would like to underwrite a month of your living expenses so that you can go and meet these guys and mentor them, right? He's got, a, he's got a family to support, and so he's raising money. There's ministries all over Farmington, throughout this church, all over the world, that there are people who their calling in the Great Commission is to just make a ton of money and give it away. That might be what God is calling you to do. And if you want to help Dennis, you make sure you find him. We're going to hear, I'm excited, in a few weeks, I want to have Dennis come share his story and figure out, and, uh, provide an opportunity for you to support him, but maybe today you're going to help him out. And I know he would say, okay. He'd say it more manly than that, but he... So finally, everyone's called, everyone's equipped or qualified. Start and this. Just be a light. The fourth one is just be a light. Where you are, just be kind words, a generous heart, Someone to pray. If, you're, if you sense someone at work or at school or whatever, and you're just like, maybe the Holy Spirit's going to come in you and you're going to sense, I'm supposed to talk to that person. Just go talk to them. You'd be amazed at how receptive people are just to someone, be, someone being kind to them. If you're hearing them going through a struggle, say, Could I, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And just pray for them. This is great commission stuff. This is the presence of God moving forward. Christy did such a great job a few weeks ago teaching this series called Happy. Boy, if we could just be joyful, happy Christians, that would do a lot too, wouldn't it? We represent God. We are carriers of God's presence. So people are going to look at the Christians and say, well, that must be what God is like. And those people are all terribly depressed. I don't want anything to do with God. No, let's be joyful. Let's be positive. We are how God's presence is moving around the earth. And I tell you what, when there's a hurt at school, at your office place, in your community, there's nothing better than the presence of God coming and ministering to that hurt. And you and I are going to be how that happens, right? That's how the presence of God is going to get there. This past week, I had an opportunity to go on a field trip with Dottie's fourth grade class at Meadowview. And they went to the 
the Works Museum in Bloomington. It's kind of this, it's a smaller place, but it's a cool place. All these little things that, like engineering things, how this works, how this works. So they built like a circuit that started a little fan, and so they did all these cool things. So I was the chaperone with Dottie, and you go through all the things in the morning, and it's always fun being on the, fourth graders are just so entertaining to watch. Like that's some great people watching right there. So you got all kinds of kids. But we got to the spot where we were eating lunch in the big lunchroom, and, uh, and so all the kids were in there at the tables, and the tables were all full, so I was just kind of leaning against the wall, eating my bagged lunch and my turkey sandwich, and I still have an aversion to turkey sandwiches because every day of school day for like 12 years was turkey sandwiches, so I still have a hard time eating those things now. But I'm eating my turkey sandwich and my bag of Doritos, and I'm eating Doritos, my first thought is, I bet there's some kids here from like the whole 30 families who are looking longingly at my Doritos, and I'm like, these are delicious, kids. I'm having joint inflammation from all the gluten, but these are sure tasty. <laughs> um, but in that moment, when I'm in those environments, I'm just, I'm just looking at, I'm watching these kids, and you, there's all the kids, the kids that have lots of friends, there's the kids that are quiet or kind of sitting on the side, and so my heart always goes out to them. I've been around this class of, I mean, we've been around our elementary school for 14 years now, so we've, we've gotten to know it pretty well. There's one boy in there whose dad a couple years ago was, it was hit and killed by a drunk driver, so every time I see him, I always pray for him. And I look around the other kids, and I'm just like, oh, Lord, I would love for you to, you know, I'm, so I started praying for the kids. You know, I just start, while I'm eating my food, I just pray for the kids. I'm not walking around, like, laying hands on kids. Speaking in tongues, you know, those, that would get me put on some sort of a watch list, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would for sure get me kicked out of the works museum. Um, so I'm just sitting there eating my food, and I'm just praying for kids. I'm like, oh, I'll be with that boy who lost his dad, and I'm praying for other kids. And then I start thinking, boy, I, I just sense, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like some of these kids have really tough home lives. And, you know, you know, kids, some of these kids are probably getting picked on, and I'm just like, Lord, how, help them. How? And I found myself at a loss, like, how can you help them, God? I want the Great Commission to go here. And so it was a cool thing, because I really sensed God saying, well, pray for my church in that class. And so I looked around, and my daughter Dottie's there, and she's a, she's a person of faith. And uh, Aubrey Lee is there, and Layla Sirik is there. And I look around, and I'm like, well, these are all church kids, and they are walking in the power and the anointing of Jesus Christ. And another friend of ours, the Johnson family, they go to River Valley, but their daughter was there. And so I'm praying for Abby Johnson. And so I found myself just praying for these kids, like, God, fill them. May they walk just in your power and your light and your hope. May they be just beacons of light. And I know they're kids, and we would say, well, kids are just being raised up. We don't, they're not lights yet. Don't send them into the world yet, and we're a little fearful. But I was like, Lord, Lord they are there. They are there. They are there ministering to these other kids. So help our kids to just be a light, a kind word, carriers of your presence. May they just be able to, at that young age, fourth grade, be, be bold in their proclamations of the truth of Jesus Christ. And then I started praying for teachers because we got a lot of teachers in our church that teach in the elementary school, the middle school, and the high school. I was praying for them. Lord, anoint them. Fill them with your spirit. May the Great Commission go forth because they're there. They are carriers of your presence into that classroom. And I know they can't, you know, preach every morning, but they are there, and nothing's going to stop the presence of God from moving in that classroom, amen? And so they are there, and so I'm praying for teachers, and praying for kids, and I'm praying for parents. I want the Great Commission to go forth, so I was praying for our kids, that they would know the purpose, they would have confident hope, that they would walk in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. I prayed for the teachers, and I prayed 
for everyone in our church, and I've been praying all week, because this doesn't apply just to schools, this doesn't apply just to teachers, this applies to you, whatever walk of life, wherever you spend your day, you are a carrier of God's presence, right? Amen? God is saying, who have we got here? Who have we got in that workplace? Oh, we've got them. We've got those homestead people there. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They are walking in the power and anointing of Jesus Christ. Let's use them. The Great Commission is going to go forward. So that's why we encourage you to build relationships with your neighbors. That's why we encourage you to serve at church, okay? So a little side note here, talking more about kids. We have, on Thursday nights, um, we have, I think, like, we have, like, 35 elementary-aged kids here on Thursday nights. And then we've got nursery and preschool. We have men's and women's Bible studies. That's a lot of kids on a Thursday night, right? And if you've been in there watching those kids, Darren's been there. He says, amen, that's a lot of kids. I've been in there. That's a lot of kids. We need help with the kids. We've got probably 35 kids up in elementary school church this morning. And all the preschool, we've got nursery. We want to provide opportunities for these kids. This is the Great Commission. This is the gospel being handed down to the next generation. So when we ask for people to volunteer and help with kids, we're not asking you to babysit. We're asking you to fulfill the Great Commission, okay? We should put that on the card because that sounds way better than come watch our kids. But this is why we do it. When we ask you to find a place to serve at church or help with the kids, This is how the Great Commission is going forward. This is something you can do. You are called. You are equipped. So let's start and let's be faithful to the commission that God has given us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service today. And here's what I want to do. I want to just pray for a couple groups of people today before we go. And wherever you are in this journey, maybe you are new and you wandered into church today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus. Let's everyone close their eyes just for a second and just have a moment where you're praying. If that's you and you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you've never said yes to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sin and eternal life, just do that right now. Just do that right now. Start. Start this journey right now. I 100% believe that faith in your life will bring about good things. And I got a room full of people who would back me up on that. So just say yes to Jesus. Just confess that you're a sinner and you need a savior and you invite him in. And then you are a follower of Jesus. The other group is this. Maybe you've done that, but you have done nothing with it. So I want all of us just to right now pray to God and say, God, I am open to everything you have for me. So fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your presence. I want to be like those disciples who have boldness and power and walk in the authority of Christ that carry the presence of God with us. So Lord, fill me up. If that's you, just say that. Fill me up, Lord. I want everything you have for me. I want to be used by you in this world, in this hurting world, in this dark world. So Lord, fill me up. And finally, for all of us, I want us to say, God, and we'll go, we'll go wherever you want. We'll go wherever you want. We'll do whatever you want. We are open to you. We'll talk to people when you direct us there. We want to hear your voice so that we know when you're speaking to us. We'll go wherever you want, whether it's just simply building relationships in our neighborhood, at our workplace. Maybe it's simply just talking to that student at school that is seems like an outcast. We're going to be the ones to go, Lord. We want to go. We want to go and carry your presence. And maybe there's people here today that you are calling into some drastic step of faith, a career change, a missions 
uh, opportunity, calling someone to be foster parents, calling someone to adopt, calling someone to go overseas and to teach and to preach the gospel. Maybe there's there today. Maybe they're in this room today, God, and I pray that all of us would just be open, handed to you, have our hearts open to you. We are commissioned by you to go, and we will obey, and we will do it. So that's our prayer today. So for all of us here at Homestead, wherever you're at in your faith journey, just take that step. Just open your hearts up to God. Open your hearts to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you do call us. Thank you that you use us. Thank you that you equip us. Fill us with your anointing and your power. We thank you for that. I pray that you would build your church in number, in faith, in resource. I pray that we would be a church that is so well-resourced that we could just be a funnel of your financial resources to ministries around the world. And that would be our part in the Great Commission. I pray that you would build your church in faith, that we would go and all of us would be proclaimers of your gospel, that we would speak up for truth and for the life that is found in Jesus. Build your church, Lord. Thank you for using us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.